0: episode 50 of the night gallery podcast my name's chris brown today we're talking about the first story from episode 11 which was broadcast on december 1st 1971 it's pickman's model written by alvin sapinsley uh, based on the short story by hp lovecraft and directed by jack laird um, actually this is an example really when uh, rod Salen though introduced it far better than i could H.P. Lovecraft, known to the aficionados of the occult demonology witchcraft as a master storyteller, is responsible for our first selection in this museum of the frequently morbid. To you connoisseurs of the black arts, you'll probably recognize it. It's a painting that tells the story of a young artist who recruits his models from odd places. And the models are very odd indeed. The painter's name, incidentally, is Pickman. The title is... Pickman model and where else would you see a story like this except in the night gallery so our, uh, our story begins with an artist and an art dealer and they're talking about an artist called Pickman Richard Pickman who uh, disappeared 75 years ago never to be seen and this painting they've found is of well from the artist Uh, They seem to think that there's 10 missing. And they seem to think also that they've found one, basically. Um, There's a lot of excitement between them. They think they're going to be able to sell it for a lot of money. But then the story darts back 75 years in the past to try and explain exactly what happened to the artist. We're in Boston. Richard Pickman is a man who was an artist, a recluse, and a teacher of art. He's a slightly pretentious sort, really, to be fair. His art, a lot of the time, well, almost entirely, focuses on ghouls, monsters, and horror. Um, and he basically, very soon, gets sacked for, these, for, for using these examples of his work and frightening some of the young women. Uh, obviously, he's very annoyed by this, but there is somebody in his class who likes his work. A woman called Mavis. Mavis Goldsmith, who's played by Louise Sorrell. Mavis, Mavis um, <coughs> decides to try and find him. Follows him. Finds him in a pub, drinking away his sorrows at the fact he's just lost his job, basically. And, uh, The... well... He enjoys telling a story about... Well, she says to him, first off, that... I've heard that you have this, 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 these art pieces that you're currently making... And these art pieces are so horrifying that, you know, I could turn a man to stone. You know, the classic thing of art that can make a man go mad, kind of stuff. And, well, he enjoys telling a story. A story about, he takes a great deal of pleasure about ghouls that live underground in Boston. These ghouls enjoy nothing better than coming up through holes in the grounds and graveyards finding and kidnapping and raping young women to curate their offspring. And, there, uh, yeah, Pickman loves this story. I'll run the risk. There is a legend. There is a legend that tells of an eldritch race more foul and loathsome than the putrid slime that clings to the walls of hell. Twisted creatures, half men, half beast, move the rustling sound of predatory rats carrying with them the stench of the charnel house wretched mutations who live deep beneath the earth in dark tunnels surfacing in the dead of night and returning before dawn practice their unspeakable acts and breed their filthy spawn until the day arrives when their swollen numbers will finally emerge and ravish the earth like a noxious plague. Mavis is intrigued by this idea. Kind of, I think he's quite a, an enigmatic character, is, is Mr. Pickman, and he's played by him, Bradford Dillman. But uh, I think she she likes this kind of bad boy antics, and also the possibility that this art could be so horrifying. So she has to go and see it. Pickman goes, no, 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 I'm not having any of this. You know, he's basic, He's being rude, but effectively just trying to push her away. But the problem is that uh, Mavis had previously already mentioned the fact that she bought art from him before. Uh, he, he'd sold a painting of just some rooftops. A grey picture, quite grim. But these rooftops showed off, well, whereabouts it's a view from his window. So she, she managed, after a long rummage through the various parts of uh, the back alleys of North Boston, grim places, you know. She managed to find them So she sneaks into his home to try and take a little look around. And she finds these canvases that she heard about. And they were shocking. They're, you know, horrible, disgusting, otherworldly creatures. They're feasting at corpses. They're having sex. Ravishing, I suppose, is a slightly more romantic way to put it. Young women. To create, you know, they're raping to, to create their children. But there's something else as well there. There's a portrait of one, of a mother and a young boy. And the, and the boy looks like Pickman. And behind Pickman looks like there is some villainous eyes. Another one of these creatures. I, an echo that possibly the Pickman might be more than he seems. She's shocked. But more running well, for her anyway Pikmin appears finds her and says well, you know, he's furious first off that she'd found him but also not just that But uh, there suddenly is a noise downstairs a growling a dangerous noise, it sounds like it's coming closer and closer <laughs> Pikmin says, stay here, do not move until I come back he runs downstairs, there's noise there's clatter the sound of a struggle. But the person that comes up from upstairs is not Pickman, but the monster. The monster now who's making his way towards Mavis, assuming that in actual fact that this, this monster wants to do to Mavis what he may well have done to another young woman in the picture. She escapes. It's a very close thing. And then returns later with her uncle and the authorities. There is no sign of Pikmin. He's gone. There's no sign of the monster either. But there is an open well. And she says that we, they should seal it up for the protection. That she thinks that the monster, no doubt, came from there. and It's best for everybody if that entrance to whatever it comes from is closed. We move to 75 years later. Our art dealers are discussing this picture again. And they get the idea that they should start looking for the other artwork in there and think they could find something. They go to to the well and knock on it, trying to see if there's anything in there, realise it's hollow and start bashing on the ground. What's this, uh, thing? can't imagine. noticed it when I moved in. But it means nothing to me. A sewer, do you suppose? In a cellar? This thing's hollow. You know what I think, Elliot? I think we ought to open this thing up. Why? What do you think we'll find? Well, at the worst, nothing. At the best, those missing canvases. Why would they be in there? If for no other reason that they're not anywhere else. Well, if you think there's anything in it. Let's see. Feeling muscular? Yeah. I hope we don't find anything besides the paintings. What's that supposed to mean? Remember, Pickman's canvases weren't the only thing that disappeared. Pickman did too. We moved downstairs. Underneath the well. And all we see is the monster from before. Red eyes glowing. Ready and willing to finally make an escape after 75 years. And do, assumedly, what he planned to do, but to other young women. Right, okay, there's your story. Uh, Pixar's model is seen as a bit of a classic. I think that's safe to say. Um for me personally, it's great. Uh, possibly for different reasons than others. I could imagine um, a young, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not old enough for this, When I f- but uh, the first time it was out, those red eyes at the end would be a classic, terrifying visage to see. And like a great way to end the story before an advert break, this monster ready to escape. Also, you know, it's it's one of the uh, the night galleries that has a very primal and terrifying fear behind it. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of horror is about uh, sexual violence, but uh, Night God f- doesn't really touch on that a huge amount. More concerned with slightly more traditional ideas of, of demons and monsters and zombies and, you know, uh, revenge stories. Um, but in this case, it's uh, far more primal fears. Fears of the unknown that want to take something from you. Um, and in that sense, it's it's fantastic. It's really good. Um, obviously, looking at it now, if you've watched it recently, uh, the, the old man in the suit issue comes... A huge amount to the four, But uh, it's a great suit, let's put it that way. Jack Laird loves, 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 loved Lovecraft. I mean, there's so many times when we refer back to Lovecraft work. uh, Quote of the Raven is coming reasonably soon in the next couple of months. Uh, We've got Dr. Peabody's Lactria. We've got Cool Air coming soon as well. I don't think that's far off, actually. That must be next week. Well, not next week, but in the next... You know, episode of the, of, the, of the series. If you watch them in that kind of order, um, and he loved it. So I'm not surprised that he decided that he wants to create uh, his own Lovecraft reference and story. Uh, what he did, though, was do, was do something quite interesting. He brought Alvin Sipinsley in, uh, who was not a man known for his love of horror, and asked him to write the script. Sir Pinsley struggled initially. He rewrote it and rewrote it. Apparently, um, this struggle, this. He, he, uh, Laird, the executive producer, did not like the fact that it was taking so long and also became increasingly frustrated that rather than make it better, he was making the story differently. Uh, you know, it just changed every time, but the key problems were still there. But what Sir Pinsley did was he introduced this Framan's advice, which brought the monsters from the past from what is you know 1880s Boston to a more present day more current setting which worked brilliantly and also what he did was um, introduce the concept of Mavis which instantly gives us somebody who is the victim who we can worry about and also an in for the the viewer that it's a very odd world that you can explain a lot easier in literary form but when you explaining it in terms of being a you know in a a more visual medium like television you need to somebody that this story has to be explained to and in this case this is what happens with Mavis okay so that his work was great and then Lurd came along eventually decided just to to do a rewrite himself effectively he added what he wanted from the piece Um, the quote from, from Sir Pinsley unfortunately basically doesn't say what, he doesn't know what changes he made, but he knows that those changes worked, Uh, which is fair enough, Um, in his confidence, and bear in mind, Laird had already kind of mucked up a bit with Question of Fear, he struggled to get that story out in the way that he wanted, and over Ram, he decided to direct, Um, which was lucky for the show because he it gave it, you know, that episode a real character. He's good at it as well. But he did mess up. There's no way around that. The uh, the editor, Larry Lassiter um says of the key scene, the, the ghoul scene, the the scene of the monster chasing Dear Mavis round this artist studio. He says, and this quote is taken from the Scott Skelton Jim Benson uh Redstone in Night Gallery and After was Tour Book. When the thing is chasing Louis Sorrell, which obviously plays Mavis, through the studio, because he didn't shoot any cutaways, he just shot it wide. After the third day's dailies, Jack said, if I weren't both the director and the producer, I'd fire me as a director. And I said, Jack, fix it for you. So I spent two days working on an insert. We had to use the same guy as the ghoul, because the ghoul suit was made specially to fit him. So I got him down on the insert insert stage, and I was rolling two cameras when I shot that thing, because we didn't have too many paintings to step on. We ruined a lot of them. I shot all that stuff and the paint tube squirting into the lens and everything. So very much the... Um, that, that that moment was improved greatly from uh, through, well second director work, really, although it was the editor that did it for him. He kind of saved him bacon. And as I we was saying before, it's a very traditional scene that... Uh, brave, in a sense, because you're showing... Uh, on monster, as a, you know, it's a man in a suit, and you know he's—it's a great suit, uh, but he looks like him, you know, and, and it would have shocked people on a Sunday night or or oh, Wednesday night. It was at this stage uh, with it, with it, with what it is. You know, you don't normally see monsters moving around, <laughs> and also references those classic Universal horror stories again you know the the monster carrying away away the woman Um, you know the scene you know EC comics as well for that matter you know these ghouls grabbing women and like you know in their petticoats dragging them away to do unspeakable things that you would never mention in an EC comic even then so that kind of stuff was was, was good Um, in modern eyes yeah you know they do it differently now but uh, they wouldn't. In truth, they wouldn't be brave enough to show that much of the monster. But at the same time, you have to respect what he did, and it works well. Um. So, yeah, I mean, the it's a good-looking piece, basically, because this is this is very much Laird, the producer, working as a. As a, you know, as somebody who is creating something, there the producer is able to write a piece that is shocking in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, it, it has those elements of horror and, and nastiness, and a lot of the nastiness obviously is verbal. You don't see anything apart from this creature. You don't actually see any violence because the violence he talks about, you wouldn't be able to show. You would struggle now to show it in truth, certainly in the UK. But the the you know the thing looks lush. He's able to use his skills as a producer to make to to, to get the stuff that's on set at Universal, the, the costumes, which probably no doubt will have been the most expensive elements, and are the most expensive elements of any period drama, to get them for nothing, because obviously you know the, the, they'll have them all ready to go. To take all those to dress the characters. It's his direction is not very flashy. You know, he's very much more a producer than he is a director, but it works. It lets the story flow, and a lot of it is making uh, the script, which is a great script, flow and uh, uh, you know dr- starting from one point and drop and building and building and building in the short space of time. Bear in mind, this story is only 26 minutes long to get to the point when When you see those red eyes, which is no doubt the most frightening part of the story, it really grabs you it really really grabs you um it's one of those i mean the, the it's well written uh, it's well directed, particularly from Sorrel, who's very wide eyes and uh, able to kind of carry the character through the story uh Bradford Dillman is a part. Not a very pleasant artist, but in other parts as well, quite a you know you can imagine him you know reacting in horror to the events around him. But he is a victim, uh, and a victim that you can you know really really go for the uh, the outfit itself. This 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 monster suit, which is an unbelievable work of art. It was worked through Tom Wright's original sketches. The designer uh, Leonard Engelman. John Chambers had six weeks to create it they took a chance particularly, well it's more so from Laird than the artist, it was all rubber and it was custom built for the stunt guy that had to be uh, had to be in it uh, a guy called Robert Proaska. he had to be basically sealed into this rubber outfit so he was encased in it and if it was anything wrong with him he fell over or if he'd bust an ankle or he was ill that day, you know, it would literally would have shut them down, but they got lucky. It happened. It was fine. Um. So yeah, I mean, Lovecraft's a funny one because he's, you know, he always writes about the unspeakable and uh, you know the, the, these these monsters that you could never imagine. They're so disgusting. So you know, that's the reader make his mind off about what what they actually are like. Um. Laird kind of steps away from that obviously by showing the monster, but he does it in such a way that the actual horror is still there and in the mind. And I think that's where it really excels. It was the impression of the Institute that you were instructing our young ladies in the principles of painting from life, in the transferring to canvas of recognisable shapes and figures. Quite correct, Mrs DeWitt. (laughs) And you employ this as an example? Oh, a modest one. And one better suited, I'm afraid, at least, to a less genteel conservatory. Ah, you are telling me that my services are no longer, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Despite your ready wit and uh, bohemian elan, Mr. Pickman, some of our parents do not consider you a proper influence on their daughters. And now that I've seen this uh, specimen of your work, I quite agree with them. The Institute will, of course, pay you to the end of the month, but, uh, well, I'm sure you understand. Right, well, first off, Merry Christmas. Uh hope you have a great time. Uh, I am sorry that, again, I've said, oh, I'll well, be fine, I'll be fine until after Christmas for stuff, and it's just, I've just been so mad busy. Um I'm also full of cold, so if I sound a bit, uh, if you can't understand me, sorry about that. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get a couple more episodes out over you know the festive season as it were um if you want to get hold of me you can do chris at twilightzonenetwork.com easiest way to get in uh, touch me any other way is through the website which is www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com all the episodes are up there anyway and whatever else we, we managed to get up there i've got something i need to put up uh which i will do next week um Next week... Oh, and you can also contact me on my own private Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey. There's far more chance that I'll be able to talk to you through that than anything else in truth, because that's something I check every, every you know, all the time. Uh, next week is a Rod Salem script, uh, which has... Uh, yeah, there's a bit of story behind it. It ain't great, but it's good. You know, that's all right. It's not too bad. It's called The Deer Departed. Er... Uh, yeah it's fine <laughs> I don't know it's you know one of those this thing where the this you know Pickens models like held up and I think something like the Day Departed in particular struggles in comparison but it's, it's not that bad a story really when you think about it um, right well until next time take care and I'll speak to you soon and have yourself a very Merry Christmas bye